So I went to a wedding last night, and we had a little incident. It was in Longview, and we were driving on Highway 31, and right before we got to Highway 42, where we're supposed to turn left, um, our GPS, Cammie's iPhone that was plugged into our system, just glitches and stops. And it was right before this turn. And so I'm thinking, oh no. So she's scrambling to get her phone and hit the button again so it starts. And she does, and it says there's a new route. It says go straight. So I get out of the turning lane real quick, and I go straight. And I, I follow the GPS, and it takes us to the Longview uh, Police Department. <laughs> In the middle of downtown Longview, somehow... When she hit the button, it didn't go to the address that we had plugged in. It went to the city of Longview. And the wedding venue wasn't even in the city of Longview. It was on our side. And so we were 10 minutes late to this wedding because of this GPS glitch. And so... It ended up being the shortest wedding service I've ever sat through. It was fantastic. I, I needed a shirt that said, I just came for the cake. Literally. Um, but it was even more so interesting. We got done with the ceremony, and we were walking outside, and I'm going to pick on Camille Cole. Um, she was talking with us, and she says, so i got to ask, are you just one of those people that puts it in the phone and just goes and trusts whatever it says? Or do you kind of just look at it and get an overview of kind of where it's going and have a general idea? And I said, I just put it in and I trust that that's going to get me where I'm going. Because there's been several times when I haven't and I've gotten stuck in ridiculous traffic because it will reroute me and I'll say, no, I know the best way to go. And of course, I go the way I want to go and then there's like standstill traffic. So I've kind of just gotten to the point where I'll put it in my GPS and I'll do whatever it says and I don't even look where it's telling me to go. And I, I was thinking about that a little bit later and it's like, with a GPS, that's kind of probably not the smartest thing in the world to do. You should probably get an idea of where it's going. But then I started thinking like, what about with the, like the Holy Spirit? Do I have that much trust with God's Spirit? It's just, okay, here's, here's where I'm going. And I'm just going to trust, like, whatever you say to do, I'm going to do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go. Because as a church, that is supposed to be our DNA. That is supposed to be how we live our life. Wherever God says go, whenever he says move, we move. And we walk in step with his spirit. See, several years ago, we went through this process of reimagining our church. And we walked away with this new vision. And we want to be a people that exalts Christ, encourages one another, and engage our neighbor. And along with that, we came away with six core values that we believe help us to live out that vision. 
And as we talk about that vision, that is the church that we want to be and we want to move towards as we approach the year 2030. And these core values are so important to helping us create the sustainable life as the people of God. And specifically as a church, we wanted to focus on a church that engages our neighbor. Not, not just simply one that exalts Christ, because we think we've done a pretty good job of that in our past. We've encouraged one another pretty well in our past, but it's the engaging our neighbor, getting outside of these walls and loving the people. And to do that well, you have to listen to the voice of God. You have to listen to the Spirit's leading, because if you do not, you will miss opportunity after opportunity. So last week we talked about that we are a church that wants to pursue God together. You're not in this on your own. You're not by yourself. We're in this together, moving towards God. This week, we're going to talk about people matter. And, and really, that's one of the things that attracted me to Shiloh from the beginning the most, is the way that people were valued and loved within our church. And I am so grateful to be a part of that. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 16 in just a, a moment. I want to give you just a little bit of background here to Acts 16 before we jump in to this passage. Paul is in his second missionary journey, and he's traveling around and he's speaking to Christians. He's loving them. He's starting churches. He's ministering to people. And this mission of the church is just growing exponentially as God's Spirit is leading and working through these churches. And he comes to a city called Philippi. And Philippi is a Greek city, and there was not a synagogue in the city. And so in these Greek cities where there was no synagogue, typically what you would do, and there was no synagogue because there were not enough Jewish men to have a synagogue, not enough Jewish people in the population to have a synagogue, you would meet outside of the city at a specified location. And here they're meeting outside of Philippi down by a river. And so every day the Jewish believers would come together for a time of prayer at different times of the day down by the river, out by the city. Not in a van down by the river, just in a... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Random thought, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, where were we? There, Philippi, yeah. This is why I don't throw stuff into my sermon that I didn't plan on, because ADD just has its way with me. So they're, they're on their way in Acts 16, verse 16. Paul and Silas. Once, verse 16, when we were going to the place of prayer. So the place of prayer is outside the city, down by the river. They were going to the place of prayer. We, met, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by telling, by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. And, and so they're on, and go back to that last verse there, Corey, thank you. 
they're living life, they're ministering in this city, they're going back and forth, and there is a lady that is possessed by a spirit who is following them around, yelling and screaming, these are servants of the Most High God, and they're telling you how to be saved. They're making this announcement in a city where Paul and Silas kind of have to fly under the radar. And they're shouting and following. And it's not just down to the river one time. It said she kept this up for many days. She's following. And now understand this. When the Spirit is saying servants of the Most High God, I believe the Spirit knows exactly who that is. But in a Greek city, I don't know that anyone else, we look at this as a deeply profound theological statement that this woman is making. I don't think that it is. I think she's just, this is like Mars Hill, where there's all these other gods. And they're saying, this is the most high God. Now, the spirit knows. The evil spirit, we, we, we saw in Mark last year, right? The evil spirit knows who this is. But the woman and everyone else that's hearing this announcement, they're thinking Zeus, I'm guessing. They're thinking it's some other god. And so Paul and Silas are walking around this city with this woman following them. Like, do you know how annoying that would be? I mean, have you ever had an annoying person in your life? If you're shaking your head, no, I have some really, really bad news for you. Just let you take that to its logical conclusion. No, but, but for, for me, if, if you haven't noticed before, I'm a little bit ADD. And I like to get focused on something and not break my train of focus. One of the most annoying habits that, that people will do around me sometimes is I'll be focused on something and they'll walk up to me and they'll stand beside me. And they'll just stand there. until I break my focus and look up and acknowledge them. And when I do, bleh, they'll just start. And for me, it's so hard to get back in to what I was focused on. And it kind of annoys me a little bit. Another thing that kind of annoys me, and my kids will do this, not that my kids are annoying, but they do it to be annoying, is they'll play the copycat game where I'll tell Ryan, hey, Ryan, you need to go clean your room. And he'll say, Ryan, go clean your room. I'll say, you need to do that now. And he'll say, you need to do that now. And then I'll say, you need stop it. And he'll say, stop it. Until I finally just say, enough. And I'll give him a look. He, they're both giggling because... Both of them have done this in the last week, probably. Right. And it's just, it's annoying. But can you imagine, and I, I do love y'all, I really do. Could you imagine 
Paul and Silas walking around this city, and this woman just following them and not leaving them alone, just continuing to show up day after day. And, and I'm sure thinking, this is probably going to go away, right? Eventually, she's going to get tired. Eventually, she's going to run out of breath. Eventually, she's going to lose her breath, her voice, and it doesn't. Continuing on. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul, and I love this because you see so much of the humanity. Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. So they're walking throughout the city. This lady's following, yelling, screaming. These men are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you how to be saved. And Paul gets so annoyed that he turns around. He turns around, and I'm guessing kind of loses it. Right? And yells the Spirit. When I hear that story of that woman following and yelling, I see a problem. Paul sees a person. I, I see a problem that needs to be solved. I see a problem that needs to be fixed. This person needs to go away. They need to leave me alone. Let's just face it, that's kind of in our human nature. But somehow, Paul sees not a problem, but he sees a person that he takes time to minister to. Somehow, he sees beneath the surface of the facade of this person's life to see that there's something else going on underneath the surface. There is a bigger need. There is a bigger problem then this woman is simply annoying me, and I want her to go away. I see a problem. Paul sees a person. In our political arena, how often do we see a problem and not a person? in our neighborhoods, and the people next door who won't keep up their yard. You see a problem and not a person. The parent who can't control their kid in the grocery store and that's going crazy and that you're so frustrated because they're running circles around you and not watching where they're going, you see a problem. Or do you see a person? 
Make no mistake, Paul could not miss her. But he did have a choice in what he would see within her. Would he see a problem that needed to be solved? Or a person created in the image of God who needed to be loved? I see a problem. Paul sees a person. He sees a problem, or he sees a person who needs to be rescued from bondage. They were going to the river to pray. They had their agenda. They had what they needed to get done. And yet, he has time to stop and see her. And he speaks to the Spirit. And the Spirit immediately comes out of the woman. And this creates a bigger problem, not just for the lady, but for Paul and Silas. If you'll remember... This lady was a slave, and she made her owners a great deal of money by telling fortunes, because the spirit, this evil spirit, was allowing her to do that. And now the spirit is gone, and she's lost her power and her ability. But more than that, she's lost her ability to make them money, to provide for them. And so they have Paul and Silas drugged down before the city officials, and as this crowd forms, they are beaten and they're put in prison. Now think about this. This lady was annoying them, and he could have just said, go away, leave me alone, stop bothering me, done something to get rid of her. And instead, he turns, looks at her, sees her needs, addresses her needs, and she is healed. And because she is healed, they find themselves persecuted. Because she is healed, because he ministered to her, finds himself beaten and in prison. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came off. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now stop for just a second. Put yourself in the place of Paul and Silas. They have been beaten and imprisoned because of ministry. And now it seems as if God has answered their prayers and set them free. 
everything that holds them captive is gone. And they have the chance to make a break for it. Put yourself in their shoes. Those doors fly open. What are you doing? I'll just be, I'm running. I am out of there. And if that jailer is, who's been holding me there, who's been part of my persecution, is going to take his own life because of it, so be it. I'm going to save myself. I'm gone. Paul, with the opportunity to flee, stops and he sees a person who is at the end of his rope, who's pulled out a sword and going to take his life. And he stops. He doesn't leave. He says, don't harm yourself. We are all here. I got to be honest. I'm taking that as a sign that God has freed me. And while God has freed him from his circumstances, Paul does not believe that God has freed him from his mission. That his purpose is greater than his circumstances. When I asked that question earlier about following the Spirit's leading, I believe the only way that we are capable of seeing people in those circumstances, the annoying lady who follows them around, the jailer who's going to take his life, the only way we see those people is when we hear the voice of God speaking and directing our steps. Then we learn to listen and follow where He is leading. And it goes back to that question, like, are you just a GPS person where you just put it in and you trust it and you go because that's where you're going? Or do you like to kind of have a bigger picture and know where you're going and, and know what's coming? Because in the car, I really like just, I'll put it in and I'll just trust. But in my life, I kind of like the bigger picture. I want to know what's coming next. I want to know who's going to come in and out of my life. I wonder how much would change in our life if that was our mentality. Where do we go? In verse 29, he says this, the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then 
brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I know this is, again, one of those things where we think really deeply theological question. But if you'll remember back to what the Spirit was announcing to everyone in the city of Philippi, just a few verses earlier in 17, followed Paul, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now again, we know the Spirit knew that the Spirit can submit to Jesus. But I don't think the jailer does. Let let me give you the GIV, the Gary International Version. He brought them out and asked, Sirs, how do I get out of this mess? I, I think just literally, point, that's what he's asking. Is like, I'm in a mess and I need to get out. And yet again, Paul and Silas see a deeper need. Like that question, even when we translate it that way, how do I get out of this mess, is so deeply theological and profound. Even though on the surface, it's pretty simple. How do I get out of this mess? And I think Paul's response is, you, you don't get it. There's an even bigger mess that you're in. There's a bigger problem than you could even realize is here. And so they start to minister to him. Verse 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. And that word believe is not just this cognitive process. It's this idea of everything we have. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and his household were baptized. Now, look, real quick. He washes their wounds, and then Paul washes them. Isn't that interesting? He washes The jailer washes their wounds. And then Paul helps them wash their wounds. And in that moment, both of them are set free, but entirely different ways. See, Paul's already been set free from sin and death. He needs to be set free from the circumstances he finds himself in. The jailer is free. He has no chains, no doors. But he's still held hostage by sin and death. And in both, in that moment, they minister to one another. They share life with one another. And the result of that going on to verse 34, um, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. There there is this community that's created on the other side of them washing one another. 
And I, I think back to Jesus washing his disciples' feet, serving. And this jailer here who is so incredibly grateful that Paul and Silas didn't flee. Why would he want to kill himself because they flee? Because in this world, if you had failed as a jailer, you would most certainly be tortured for it and possibly even be put to death yourself. And Paul and Silas stop, and they see a person, not a problem. That's what's so amazing about these stories is I look at every one of these stories and I can see problem after problem after problem of people who continue to come around your, your life and into your world. And they refuse to see a problem because they see a person. See, people matter to God. Therefore, people have to matter to us. Does it mean we're always going to get it right? No. No, we're going to mess up. But at the end of the day, it comes back to that value that people matter, that people are important, and that we're going to love them and we're going to honor them the best we can. A few minutes ago, you heard a story about this ministry, Embrace Grace, that's begun within this last year here at Shiloh. I want to share with you just a couple of letters from some ladies who went through Embrace Grace and are going to move on into the next phase of the program, Embrace Life. I just want to thank everybody who helped me during my pregnancy. I really felt loved from the food and the conversations to the ladies' time and everyone helping me grow closer to God. I also want to thank Embrace Grace for allowing me to forgive my family so they can be a part of my life. Another one says this, thank you for allowing me and my daughter to attend Embrace Grace. It has helped me realize that having my daughter wasn't a negative thing and that I can do it with Jesus' help. You've changed my whole perspective. Now listen, those are just a couple of letters. People that this church has loved well. And it's interesting to me. I think the majority of people in our church would say, you know, we want to end abortion. Maybe the best way is not a picket sign and a megaphone. But maybe it's walking alongside ladies who need to be loved and embraced and who feel like they're on their own who we can come alongside and say, I understand this, does not, this is not easy, but I want you to know we are here with you, we love you, you matter, and the child within you matters. And we are going to do everything we can to help you succeed. Think for just a moment about how many churches there are in our country alone. What if every church, what if every church said we're committed to walking alongside five 
ladies every year who are in a situation where they're considered higher risk for having an abortion. And we just commit to loving them. Could you imagine if everyone who claimed to follow Jesus simply did that? What a difference it would make in this world. And to be quite honest, that sounds much more like the way of Jesus than the signs and megaphones and Facebook posts. But we do not get there through following our nature. It comes back to that question from the beginning. Are you just a GPS person who just goes wherever it says? Or do you kind of have to know the layout and where you're going? Let's follow the voice and the leading of the Spirit. And I'm convinced this community will start to look different. Father, we thank you. We are grateful for this time. We're grateful so much to be a part of this church. And Father, we pray that you would help us to truly live out these values, knowing that people do matter, knowing there's going to be times that we get it wrong. But Father, we are listening to your voice. We are trying to walk in step with your spirit and be the people that you have called us to be. Father, we love you. We are grateful for all that you do. Most of all, for Jesus, who gives us life. We pray this in his name. Amen.